the free for all roundtable round two on round two, Robert Benzie is here, Queen's Park Bureau Chief at the Toronto Star. Sunira Chaudhry is an employment lawyer at Workley Law. And Richard Krause is here, host of Last Call with Richard Krause. And boy, are you ever branching out, Richard. Now you're an investigative journalist. Uh, you've, <laughs> you've got a report on W5 this coming Saturday. What's it about? I do. It's not really all that investigative, but we take you behind the scenes of how movies are made. Uh, and I'll introduce you to a guy called Andy Malcolm, who Sarah Pauly, who also appears in the piece that we did, uh, calls a wizard and someone that everyone in the industry admires. And he is the king of Foley. He's a master. He adds the sound effects to films uh, after they've been shot uh, that complete the picture. And it's a really fun piece. And we actually shot a short film uh, that Andy and his team did Foley too. So you'll see, really see how sound makes movies come alive. Wow. Do you do walking? I do. Uh, oh, walking's the hardest thing. That's yeah, why Andy's, uh, Andy's studio is called Footsteps. Uh, and it's uh, been around since the 1970s. And it's called that because uh, steps and walking are the hardest thing to do. And I will show you in this piece the literally thousands of pairs of shoes that he has uh, that can replicate almost any sound of any kind of walk you could imagine. Okay, so uh, let's turn to more serious things. It doesn't get much more serious than the story Jerry was just mentioning. It appears in the Toronto Sun, and uh, the reporter says uh, police source told him the guy who's accused, the 22-year-old who's accused of murdering a 16-year-old on the TTC was on release and may have even been out pending trial for a previous stabbing. I, we have to be kind of careful how we talk about this. None of this has been proven in court and we have only uh, the Toronto Sun reporter for, uh, you know, uh, to vouch for this, but I tend to trust my reporters. Robert Benzie, what are your thoughts? Well, you know what, uh, John, this is such an upsetting uh, story and, and, and we've heard similar rumblings. So I think that we're going to be hearing more and more in the days and weeks ahead. And I think it's going to be troubling because I don't it's starting to seem like this is not just a story about mental health and not just a story about um, homelessness, uh, but also a story about a, a failing of the justice system. And I think that's something that we should all be concerned about. And the other thing, John, I mean, I know these are complicated problems, but we have 75 subway stations in Toronto. It is not beyond the pale to have a police officer at every single one of those stations. I, it doesn't seem to me to be so daunting a challenge that you couldn't do that. And I'm not saying that this would have saved uh, young Gabriel on Saturday night, but would it would it save someone else down the road? I, I don't know. I just think that a, a more visible police presence on our subways would maybe make people feel safer and maybe more people would go on the subway. I, I don't know. There's it's just right now, as Scott Reed was saying earlier on around one, it's it's like they're they're, they're just they're, they're moving homeless shelters and it's not the fault of homeless people. It's it's that they don't have anywhere else to go. So we've got a huge amount of societal problems all colliding in one place, the Toronto subway. Sunira Chaudhry, I'm always mindful of the principle that is applied to why, for example, you might get bail um, for having allegedly done something. And the reason is because you could wait as long as 18 months to be tried. And what if you're innocent? But at the same time, uh, you know, if this guy was genuinely free on bail for having stabbed somebody, that's horrifying. It's a horrific story, John. And to your point, of course, you know, when we're talking about limited resources here and we've been focusing on the TTC, of course, we can see that the legal system has limited resources, too. Uh, and that's probably what's contributed to if this is a failing. Um, 
that failure if this person has been uh, charged sort of multiple times and on and on release, uh, you know, if, if that's the case. But you know, going back to your conversation even prior to this round, John, and we know that we had. 80 police officers that were in for an interim period of time that have just been pulled off. We know from your story earlier that more than 100 uh, individuals were sort of handed off. They were given a soft handoff into the healthcare system, taken away from the TTC, put into the healthcare system, given mental health resources. Can you imagine the impact that that uh, would have continued to have if those officers weren't pulled off this grand experiment that for, by all accounts, work. So it's just that much more tragic that this ha- is coming, uh, the story is coming on the heels of those officers being removed from, from TTC stations. Yeah, Richard Cross, I'll let you take this in any direction you want, but I'll reiterate, um, as I did, you know, said yesterday, and I've said it a few times today, I'd like that program to be restored for the time being. Yeah, I would too. Uh, although I think that you really have to make a police presence. I've told this story before. I was in New York the day that 10 people were shot on the subway uh, and they flooded the subway with police. There were, I think, a thousand officers uh, and there was a real presence. You really felt it. Uh, and nonetheless, I was taking the, the subway uptown and a massive brawl broke out on the train I was on, regardless of whether there were five police officers standing on the the platform which there were four or five uh and you know one or two on the on the train uh, it didn't seem to make that much difference here maybe it's a different thing uh, police presence on the subway is uh unusual still unusual enough uh that perhaps it would have a cooling effect uh but they have to be really visible and not like it was in the last you know couple of months where by and large and this is anecdotal this is my what I saw saw is uh, at Young and Bloor, which is the, the station I get on and off of the most, you had four or five security people uh, standing in a in a group at the at the bottom of the escalators, but they weren't on the platform where, generally speaking, the problems are. So I don't know. I think they need to be deployed differently uh, and there need to be a lot more. 80 is not enough. If they could have success, the same kind of success with 80 officers uh, or the kind of success that they had with 80 officers, but you have it with 200 officers or 400 officers, maybe then we could make a real dent in this. Other than that, I don't I don't see it working particularly well. Okay, so the guys in the rush are going to have plenty of time to unpack the budget, and we'll talk about it tomorrow morning. I don't know if there's even much point in talking about the budget before it comes down, aside from maybe criticizing Christia Freeland's shoes. Uh, but Sunira Chaudhry, is, is this one of those <laughs> days where you're going to draw close to the television and f- follow every uh, every moment well we know john that this is the i think the big ticket item is is a cost of groceries we anticipate that you know a big rebate on groceries is is coming down and i think a lot of us have been paying attention to you know galen weston getting quote unquote grilled by uh jagmeet singh uh, i didn't see much of a grilling to 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 be quite frank with you, but I think that's what most people are going to be looking for. I, I'm interested in whether or not the budget is going to focus on, you know, um, what it's going to speak to with respect to workers and employment and gig workers in particular, John, because we know that we're on the heels of a recession. Thousands of tech sector workers are out of work. A lot of people are turning to, to gig sector work, and we're really largely unregulated there. We know that the federal government's beginning to look at it. I'm wondering if, if the budget is going to go there, but that's 
that's where I'm going to be looking for, um, you know, my eyes will be peeled for information for employees. Robert Benzie, it's funny that uh, Sunira was mentioning the inquiry being so uh, gentle on Galen Weston. And it's true. We don't tend to do those commissions the way they do in the States where they ask pointed questions and then just say, answer the question. Yeah, yeah, I thought I, I agree with Sanira. I thought Weston uh, seemed better prepared than the than the leader of the NDP in that in that uh, exchange a couple of weeks back. Um, in terms of the budget today, I, I what, one of the things that I'm going to be looking for, uh, John, is. Um, more to talk on what's happening on EVs and um, and and subsidies and things like that to attract companies yeah. to Ontario uh, and to Quebec. I know I know, I know there's a, a component of that to Quebec, but I'm obviously because of my day job more concerned what's happening in Ontario. And um, uh, I know that they're watching that very very closely. Premier Doug Ford and Economic Development Minister Vic Fideli are watching very closely to see what kind of incentives are going to be in the budget because it, it, the federal and provincial governments are working very very closely. It brings thousands of jobs to Ontario and and they've really been working in lockstep. So uh, we saw a little bit in Peter Bethlenfalvy's provincial budget last Thursday and I think we'll see more today. Let's move to Han Dong. He's a federal MP, independent now, left the Liberal caucus after a report in Global said that he had told the Consul General for China that the two Michaels should remain in detention in China. Some people are arguing it's a translation error or a misunderstanding. Um, I think one of the things we've missed in all of this is this proves that they're tapping the phone, which is kind of letting the cat out of the bag. Um, but Richard, if it's true that this guy has been basically set up by two intelligence officers with a grudge and they used global news in order to get the uh, message out. That's very serious things. Or is it ever? And I mean, it suggests, uh, you know, uh, that global perhaps, and you know, we'll get to the bottom of the story, I'm sure, over the next few days, perhaps weren't rigorous enough in their reporting on this uh, and fact-checking. Um, I don't know. But when you uh, release a story like this that has the potential to ruin someone's life, uh, professionally and personally, I think you have to take the utmost care and take the time and, uh, you know, check sources checked facts and just make sure that you're not rushing to judgment and uh, we'll see uh, we, we don't know uh, whether uh, there was a rush to judgment here or not but man this is uh, a story that is um, scary for anyone probably who's in public life without getting too deep into process robert benzie how significant is it that it doesn't seem that any other media outlet or news organization has been able to match this story well, I mean, look, sometimes it's hard to match stories when you, you depending on who the sources are. But I thought that the Globe and Mail did a story last week, uh, Bob Fife and Steve Chase, that was seemed to be, I don't want to say a corrective, but it certainly seemed to add some context to the initial global reporting. Um, and they, because they had an actual transcript or that they, they were privy to a transcript of the conversation that Hondong allegedly had with the consul, uh, general here in, in Toronto from China. And I think the, the, the PMO said there was nothing actionable in what was said. So that suggests that, uh, Mr. Dong did not say what, what, what was alleged to have been said in the other story. So I don't know. I mean, look, uh, each news organization has its own 
uh, you know, set of rigorous standards. I know at the star, when we were doing the stories on Rob Ford's uh, crack video, uh, there was a lot of our lawyers were involved in a lot. Uh, I was involved in some of those stories and our lawyers were going through what we had with a fine tooth comb. And I don't know if every news organization is as rigorous as, as the star or the Globe and Mail. Oh, believe me, they are here. Uh, <laughs> Sanira, we've only got 60 seconds, but you are a lawyer. Um, what would be the burden of proof here? How likely is it that he could triumph? Well, it's not a balance of probabilities, John. There's no libel notice yet. There's no statement of claim. But I think uh, he's going to be careful about the claim because then he opens his up to the, himself up to the discovery process. And the transcript is probably going to be produced. Many other documents could be produced. So, you know, it can uh, slice both ways. So he's probably weighing his options there, too, to make sure, you know, he's certainly coming to it with clean hands. Thanks for that, Sanira Chaudhry, Robert Benzie, and Richard Krause. And what Sanira was just saying is precisely why Donald Trump always says he's going to sue and he never does, because then he'd have to testify and answer all the questions under oath. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845, weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.